Hello, people. Welcome to the Gospel of Kennison podcast, the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. It is uh, 11.30, um, September 23rd, 2019. Thanks for joining us. I am in a better place mentally than I've been in a while, so... Hopefully that is reflected in the tone of my voice and the content of this episode. I'm in case you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm James and I have by bi- I'm bipolar. Yeah. I I've been in denial about the bipolar part because I mostly just walk around depressed all the time and I don't have like a manic phase. And I really don't still, but my doctor, I talked to him about it. Right. And I said, I've never had a manic phase. I, I don't go out and spend money. I don't start talking really fast. I don't cheat on my family. I don't do these crazy things that I hear that bipolar people do. And I have a friend who does do these things and, and it's really a struggle for her. And he says, you're bipolar too, James. And, and though we've managed to, you know, your med- your medicine has managed to control the manic side. We haven't been able to control the depressive side. So basically it's like, I have a glass ceiling that I can hit to, to not go too wild and crazy on the high end, but the depths know no bounds. And, uh, so we're on new medication now. And things seem to be better. So, you know, it's good news. It's good news, right? So today, what we are doing is an AMA, um, which is stands for Ask Me Anything. And I, I pulled questions from the Facebook page and from the Nobody's Listening podcast community group on Facebook. Please join. It's a fun group of people. And uh, I'm going to answer them. Um, I've got just a handful here. I had one listener suggest that we do a live call-in show. And uh, that just sounds like a whole bucket full of stress trying to get it all, you know, worked out. But um, I wouldn't be opposed to such a thing. I I, I love talking to people one-on-one. And if we could do it through Discord... That would be great, but I would have to find enough people that had microphones hooked to their computers or laptops or whatever. So anyway, we're going to dive right in. Keith Helsley says, do you think you can book the three nights for the next Narthex con if they're available? So what he's talking about is (laughs) when I was uh, in high school, um, John... Steinklopper, my co-host on that story show, and I were friends, and we were also friends with a third party. His name was um, uh, Adam, and Adam played drums, and Dave or John played uh, bass guitar, and I played guitar and or keyboard, and was the lead singer. And we were called three three nights, and. Um, it was, we, we played places. We actually got booked and it did some outreach stuff. We played a youth event a couple nights in a row. Um, 
Our music wasn't fantastic. It was well written. <laughs> just, uh, I just, I had never listened to music in my life, like uh, pop music or stuff on the radio, or uh, so I, I didn't know. You know, my whole experience had been church music, and so a lot of our stuff sounded kind of like church music. So what Keith's wondering is, since John will be back in the house. If if uh, if we could recreate one of those old songs, I I don't know. I still remember them, which is the sad part. It's been you know twenty uh, something years, maybe thirty years. Yeah, yeah, right at thirty. And uh, but I'll give you. How about this? I'll give you a sampling of some of the songs that you would have heard. If we had been together, one of them was called down on earth and, um, it was talking about how people look forward to going to heaven, but they aren't ready to live for Jesus down on earth. Okay. And then there was another one called, um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember. People ask me questions every day. I don't know what to tell them. I know just what to say. Help me find the answers. Help me, I pray. I want to go the right way. Yeah, they, they didn't make much sense. I want to go the right way. Sing hallelujah. Na, 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 uh, So they, they, uh, <laughs> what was it? There was one that we did that I was particularly proud of. I didn't know the words. I didn't know what to say or how to say it, but I know that's really holding me back now. I didn't know the words. I knew just what to say and how to say it, but I know it's really holding me back now. There's so many things that I never heard because I didn't know the words. So many things that I never heard. Cause I didn't know the words. So yeah, this one, I, I kind of butchered the lyrics a little bit there, but it was a three-parter song kind of written in a country style where a, a guy goes through his life and he never says the right things. And, um, he never asks the girl, he never, uh, says, you know, the right stuff to, to get his life together. And then, then he gets to heaven and he's, he's, uh, you know, his name's not in the book because he never said the words. He never prayed the prayer. He knew just what to say and how to say it, you know. So this big emphasis on saying the salvation prayer, which now I don't believe is necessary because the Bible doesn't talk about <laughs> uh, saying a prayer to get saved. It just talks about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And a prayer is a great way to do that, but also... um you know, a public confession could also, uh, you know, just telling somebody that you're a Christian, I, I think would work just as well. Uh, pardon me while I take a sip of my soda. All that, all that beautiful singing there. So, um, to answer your question, Keith, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that would be appropriate, <laughs> but, uh, talk to John. How about that? John would probably say yes. 
and we'd, we would we would not be able to bring uh, Adam in because Adam's Adam's married, got kids, and he's not you know part of the community. And um, plus, he dumped my sister, and so there's some animosity there. <laughs> he, he dumped her. He they they would call it ghosted her now. He just quit answering calls and the whole thing. So um, he's a good, great guy, and but thirty years of of angst, you know. All right, so Daniel J. Lewis says, I'd love to hear more about how you felt and how your audience responded when you brought back uh, that story show. Um, If you're not familiar with the story, I've several times actually have gone for long periods of time not being able to podcast uh, my main show, that story show. And they've all been associated with my depression and, and my bipolarism and anxiety that I deal with. And this latest uh, downtime was like two years to the point that I thought I would never be able to get back on the mic again, which was devastating, absolutely devastating, uh, because it was something I enjoyed. And, and it's like when you're sick and you're suffering, your brain's going, you can't even do something you enjoy. How in the world are you ever going to function normally with stuff you don't enjoy and stuff that you just have to do, you know? Uh it is it is an exceptionally helpless feeling. And um so being able to podcast again, it was a it was a long road back uh, both the both the times that it happened. Um not that you heard it on the well, the first time it was a series of podcasts that I, I started that I was able to do. Um, but this last time it was just me working my way up to it. I had, I had built it up to, to such a point that podcasting was a measure of my worth and value as a person, because it was the only thing I could do. And I still couldn't do that. Um, so I, it's it's a complicated question to answer because of my situation, but I'll I'll tell you what what you probably want to hear is it it obviously felt great. Um, it was a it was it was not just a a success or a milestone, though it was all of those things. It was um, I don't know. It was like a battle won. You know, it was something that that was overcome and finally put in its place. And it was a sign that things were better and that I was recovering. And um, and the most mind blowing thing for me was the audience, the, the listenership. Um, I had been gone for two years, but when I put out that first show and got thousands of downloads on the first episode, um, I realized that they had not gone anywhere, that they had waited. And that is, um, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable and humbling. And amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I how I felt about my audience response it it can't be put into words. Really, it is a uh, 
It's a fantastic feeling. And it's just gotten better, you know, as time has gone on because, you know, the, the audience is growing and things seem to be going well. And, and the folks, to be honest, you know, with the folks that interact and, and, and touch base and are part of the Discord servers and, the you know, the Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't even care if, if just those 30 or so people um, or listening, it'd be worth it just for that tight community that we have. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. Podcasting holds a special place in my heart and, uh, I'm sure it does for you too, Daniel. And, um, here's, here's my, my heart reaching out to yours saying, I hope that you will make a comeback one day. Because it will be a battle won. And um, uh, anything I can do to help with that, uh, including promotion and, and what have you, I will. I'll do that. Um, so so I, I wish I hope I wish for you the best. Nothing but the best. Jacob Grantham says, what are your thoughts on Pangolians? And and I was like, I don't know. So I looked them up and oh my gosh, they're the coolest, cutest little creatures you ever saw. You need to look them up. It's spelled P-A-N-G-O-L-I-N-S. Look it up real quick. Pause the podcast. Pull over your car and look them up. They're they're like little armor plated um uh, uh, Little little creatures. They look like little dinos- little mini dinosaurs. And um and he and so my thoughts on them are that they, they are awesome. Unfortunately, they are being hunted to extinction because of their plating and their food, their meats is supposed to be awesome. And my my thing about that is I don't mind people eating things, but let's breed them, you know? Let's not just hunt them and and uh and and kill them and wipe them out get a bunch of them and breed them you know like you do with the cows and stuff nobody's talking tripping you know nobody's tripping and talking about cows almost going extinct because we're taking care of business with that so if you want to eat them that's fine um i was cool with uh chewbacca eating porgs on on uh on star wars i didn't have a problem with that even though the porgs did uh, but, uh, you know, let's, let's breed them and let's take care of business. Let's do things right. Don't, don't hunt them to extinction. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's childish. What are you going to do? What are you going to eat after the last one's gone? You can move on to some other cute armor plated animal. I don't think so. But, uh, what are some animals you'd like to see in person? Um, I think I've seen all the animals I'd like to see in person. I'm not a real animal guy. I've seen giraffes up close and pretty much every other kind of animal that you would think somebody would want to see up close, like a lion or whatever. I've seen them about as close as I want to see them, which is far away. And, uh, I I saw a gorilla through, through a piece of glass and that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, I saw penguins pretty darn close at the zoo here in St. Louis, which is free. They have a penguin portal that you have to duck through and then you come up and they're all at eye level and they're walking around and 
you can't touch them or anything, but they, they're, they're just walking around and they're, they're cute as crap. And, uh, so that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't really like dolphins. I think, I think they're, I think they've got us all snowed. I think they're really big buttholes and, and nobody knows it. I really do. The kick, the, kick, 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 the way they talk, that little smirk on their face. They always look like they just got away with a secret fart. I don't like them. So, um, some animals I would like to see from a distance though, would be the dogs that live in my house. Yeah. So the, you didn't ask me that, but how many, you know, how I would love for them to be living in somebody else's house. Um, what are animals you like to see? What about the ones you don't want to see in your life? Oh, there you go. I answered that one right there. The two that live in my house. I don't like, I don't like them. My kids love them. My wife loves them. Um, I, I like, th there's two dogs in my house. As I've said, there's, there's one I don't like and one I hate. And I don't like, I don't like the Doge, uh, also known as Moffat. Even though he has become the good dog since we got Leia. Leia is the dog I hate. And she is, uh, she likes to chew up things, including the baseboards of our house. Uh, we had to buy some spray to put on the baseboards so that she wouldn't chew on them. She's just eating on them. I don't, what do you, what, what kind of animal does that? A, a beaver does that. You know, I would imagine if you had a beaver in your house, he would chew on the coffee legs and coffee table legs and stuff like that. And, uh, but my dogs try to burrow a hole through the door, the front door. So I don't know. I don't want to see them, but any other animals I would not want to see in real life. I hate snakes, hate them. I don't, I'm not a fan of iguanas and lizards. And, uh, if, 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 uh, cockroaches count like the big tribal ones, if, if they count as animals, and I'm pretty sure they do in the in the broad scheme of things, as in they're not human. Uh, I I don't like them either. Um, also, in here in St. Louis, we have these centipede things with a billion long, fluffy legs. Uh, where they're well, they're more wispy legs, and they're dumb as bricks because you can kill them really easy. But they just come in the house, and you'll just see one kind of running and they're so dumb that sometimes they'll run over your foot. It happened to my wife the other day. It ran right over her foot and freaked her out. And then I, I just stomped it with a chair leg. So I don't like those either. All right. Vicka, I'm sorry. Victoria Lynn Davis says, do you feel like allowing Jenna to date is different than allowing Jay to date? And the answer to that is absolutely do. Absolutely do. And, um, it's plain and simple to me because Jenna has a lot more at stake than Jay does. Um, I worry about the both of them exactly the same amount, except for the fact that one of them can get pregnant and the other one can't. Um, I have, I have seen so many situations that growing up and, and being in ministry and watching young people, you know, getting right at the beginning of their lives. And one of them gets pregnant and they don't get married necessarily. And the mom's life just flatlines. And, and I mean that in a way that says her income just levels out. Her dreams just level out. 
and everything she's wanted to do with her life just levels out because now she's got a baby and she's got to take care of that baby. But the man can go off and do whatever he wants. And so Jenna has a lot more at stake than Jay does. And now that, you know, that could be taken wrong and say that I'm, you know, I'm not worried about Jay getting somebody pregnant. Absolutely would be, but, and he, and he would, he would have a lot at stake as well, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It's different for me. Meaning I can, I, I think my methods of parenting will be more effective on him because in the, in the dating situation, he has, he's going to have more of a, of a sex drive than whoever he's dating. Hopefully God, hopefully. Um, and so just the regular amount of threatening and, um, berating and, and all that is going to be enough to keep him in line. Um, whereas with Jenna, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotions and feelings and, and, you know, boys can be manipulative and make you believe things that aren't true. And, um, you, you know, you can feel like that you're in a deeper place in the relationship than you really are. And then once he gets what he wants, all of a sudden he's backing off and, you know, things aren't as great as they once were. And the responsibility falls squarely on the woman's shoulders. So, um, it's not that I'm not worried about Jay. It's just a different kind of worry. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing, but Jay could screw up and have a kid and still have a life. He could still go out and go to college. He could still go out and get a job. He would, he would have a responsibility to the mother and the child for the rest of his life. And it would affect it, but it wouldn't necessarily destroy it. If you feel me. And, uh, I'm not saying single mother's lives are destroyed. I'm just saying that I'm from a single for a good chunk of my childhood before my mom married my evil stepdad. Uh, I was raised by a single mom and her life, uh, just flatlined. And, and there was no way for her to make more money or advance her career or get more education. And, um, I've seen exceptions to that where the grandparents step in and become like second parents to the kids and, you know, hats off to those single moms that, that, that can make that happen. But I've also seen it where that's abused. Uh, I'm getting off topic. The the question you asked is, am I more worried about Jenna, uh, than Jay? Yes. Yes. More. I, I, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm more protective of her. Um, you know, it's, that's my girl. And I feel like with Jay's personality that he's, he's going to be a lot more chill than I was at his age and his drive is not going to be as driven as I was at his age. So, uh, I don't, I don't worry as much about him. Plus, honestly, right now you're asking me when he's 11 and, uh, the answer may be completely different when he's, uh, 16. So ask me again in a few years, 
when Jenna's 18 and Jay's 16. <laughs> and I, I bet you the answer will be totally on the flip-flop there. So what's something that you and Jen disagree on when it comes to parenting? Our biggest disagreement, and we, we want to talk about this actually on, a, on an episode of uh, We're Both Right, is my, my wife wants to at times be more lenient than I do. She had a family that said no a lot, just like me, um, to a lot of the things she wanted to do. Um, and so she wants to try to accommodate what the kids want as much as possible. And I tend to lean toward, um, let's find out what, you know, like when my daughter asked for Instagram, I really wanted to know what she was going to use it for. Did she know the dangers? Um, is she going to keep herself safe and, and secure? And, and I did this episode, you know, um, on, on, on episode 106 and talked about that. So you guys already know where I'm at, but, um, my, my wife wanted to, was more on the side of giving it to her and trusting her. And my, I'm more on the cautious side of, well, let's make sure that we, that we all know what we're trusting her with. You know, um, but as far as parenting in general, we are 99.9% time right there together. And, uh, there's really no issues. Um, the kids kind of play her a little bit more than they play me. Cause I'm a little more no nonsense. Um, like we had an issue this weekend where Jenna's dress, uh, for, for a homecoming and, uh, and Jenna wasn't happy with the dresses. She wanted a certain kind. She knew, you know, she knew what kind of dress I would approve of, but she was looking at dresses that, that I wouldn't approve of. Mom's getting upset because she feels like her time's being wasted. And, um, you know, and, and the, the, there was a bunch of, uh, the, there was a bunch of, of anger brewing between the mother and the daughter. And I somehow got pulled into it. So, you know, there's normal, normal, uh, bumps and scratches around along the way. Um, but you know, the, the, the important thing with our marriage is to remember that each of us are here for each other. Like I've told her, if you're mad at the kids, then, then be, be mad at the kids and I'll be mad at the kids with you and we'll be a team and we'll fight the kids together. And it'll be great. But, you know, so when you call me and you're frustrated with the kids, you know, yell, um, yell about it to me, you know, but, but, but don't get mad at me, you know, just tell it to me and I will, I will side with you and we will get the kids straightened out. Um, but don't take it out on me and make it like somehow I did something bad because then I have to be defensive and, and you kind of, you pit me against you. So that's really our main issue is that sometimes, um, stuff gets transferred over from one family group to, to me. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I want to be friends. I want to be, I want to be on the t side of the wife and I want to fight the kids together. So that we can, we can be victorious and my wife can be happy. So, um, there you go. 
Would you ever consider doing a live GOK and allowing Discord members to interact during the episode? Yes, that would be a blast. Years ago, um, when the podcast was young, we uh, relied a lot on our Google Voice um, voicemail account. And we use Google Voice and we have it set to do not disturb, which takes it and turns it into a voicemail service. It automatically goes to voicemail when you call and you can leave a message, you know, with a story and all that kind of stuff. So uh, for two weeks, one time, one week for me, one week for David, we turned that off. And so when folks called the number, it rang our phones because we can we can uh, have it set to ring our phones directly. And uh, people couldn't see our number. They saw the the number that they called. And so it was a good but private way to be able to communicate with folks. And, oh, man, we had a lot of great conversations and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but to, to do something like that on GOK would be great. It just might be a little stressful <laughs> to get it all lined up because I would have to book a time and people would have to know when to call in and people would have to take turns. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I could get somebody to monitor it and put people in line and then, you know, activate who can talk next kind of thing. I don't know. Cause, cause when, when, Live radio shows do that. They do have a screener that, that comes on and, and says, what do you want to talk about? What do we want to ask? And, okay, we'll put you in line. And and then they just feed those people to the main person. I don't know if I could do all that and still maintain some sort of cohesive show, uh, but I would be, I'd be very interested in doing something like that. Will you ever start cartooning clips of that story show for YouTube again? Cause I love them, man. I, it's, I, I hate not being able to do those. Um, I had a lot of fun, but they are so much work. And when it comes down to it, I would rather be putting my energy into the podcasts. And, um, I've just started taking up a course where I am learning a web development. It was my wife's idea where I am, uh, I'm working on at treehouse.com, I think is the, the website. And it is an online course provider. And I'm on a four-month track to get a tech degree. That's what they call it um, in in PHP uh, programming language and stuff. So I can build websites that are database-driven and interactive and uh, make web apps and things like that. Um, I think it's a great idea because I do sit around here with not a lot to do. And uh, it is cool to have a, a purpose and a plan and stuff like that. So uh, cartooning is is great and it's something I can do, just not something. And, and, I, and I fit, it's just not something I'm probably going to do. But the sad thing is, is I started one and quit halfway into it. And, uh, and so I've got this one that's out there that's hung out there that probably should be finished and put out, but no, I, I don't think it's going to be something that I pursue, uh, in the near future. Tom Tharp asks, uh, what is your all time favorite Buzz Lightyear item you own and why? Well, let me grab him real quick. There he is. All right. What I'm looking at right now is a Buzz Lightyear on a surfboard that has rockets coming out of the back. And it is from Walt Disney World. It was a Walt Disney World exclusive. Uh, he stands, well, four or five, six inches high. Has his arms out like he's surfing. 
It's uh, there's a puff of cloud underneath his rockets, and um, he's just a, and he's a bobblehead from the from the chest piece up. And I love him uh, because I saw him in a window at Disney World, and I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta have him. And I go in the store, and they said, sorry, we're no longer selling that item. And I being sad at Disney World is is a terrible feeling <laughs> but i was i was really sad well long story short uh we, we we were there with my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law and their kid and you know jenna was young and, and similar age and stuff and we were back at the hotel and my brother-in-law throws this box down on the bed and i open it up and and this is in there this this character from the window and I, a million, a million thoughts went through my mind. Did, did, did you get them to sell you the one out of the window? Cause I had asked, I was like, can I buy the one out of the window? And they're like, no, no, you can't. I have news for you. Get out of here. Um, he had gone somehow snuck off to a Disney store overstock place that buys all the stuff they don't sell at Disney world and found it and bought it. And brought it to me. And to this day, even though him and my sister-in-law aren't married anymore, even though we don't really talk at all, and he's been he's remarried and has kids of his own and all this kind of stuff, even though that relationship isn't there anymore, this is still one of the best things anybody has ever given me and done for me. And uh, I love him. I love him a lot. So I, I'm, I would honestly say that this is my best thing I have here. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be funny though if I dropped it and broke it right there? <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. <laughs> it would be so terrible to overhear somebody after a story like that. But it's true, I love it, and I keep it close by. And it is the best. It's my favorite thing. Even though I have a ton of stuff that I that is a close second or third, that one is definitely, and it's all because of just the way it happened. So, um, <laughs> Justin Lowmaster says, stop, you're not that funny, James. If you feel like crud but manage to have a spoon to start something creative, does it generate more spoons? Okay, so... If you're not familiar with the spoon concept, it's just an easy way to measure how much emotional energy you have. You start the day with a certain amount of spoons, a certain amount of emotional energy, and everything you do, no matter good or bad, uh, meaning something that's fun or something that's difficult and stressful, uh, no matter what, it all takes a certain amount of energy and therefore takes a certain amount of spoons. And it, it just becomes an easy way to speak to your spouse and things like that. Like the other night, we were going out on a Saturday night. We were all dressed up. We were heading out to Red Lobster. 
It was the night after the dress incident and I was out of spoons and my wife's like, are you miserable? Are you, you know, are, are you mad at me? Whatever. And I'm like, no, baby, I'm just, I'm just out of spoons. I have zero spoons. Um, somehow during the dinner, I regained a spoon, you know, because we were able to talk and hang out and we, you know, things were happy. I wasn't mad at her. I wasn't mad at anything. I just was done. You know, I just didn't have any happiness left or whatever. So he's asking, um, when you feel like crud and, and, but manage to have a spoon to start something creative, does it generate more spoons? And that's a difficult question because, um, I think you can use a spoon and ride the spoon for a while, but I don't know that it generates more. Uh, I, I know I just gave an example where possibly one was generated. Um, but I find that some tasks you have to have a certain amount of spoons just to get started and just getting started takes quite a few. Um, I, and then, and then I think if anything gets generated, it's going to be after the event is over. But a lot of times, honestly, whether it's a good thing or a negative thing, it's still, t for me, it still takes energy. It still takes spoons. And, um, you know, even after a great night of socializing and, and being funny and being myself and just, you know, not being depressed and stuff like that, I come home and I'm still done, you know, still empty. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 uh, just getting started costs a lot of spoons. And so I think once you get started doing the project itself is, isn't a spoon taker, you know, it's, I think it, I think it levels out. Um, meaning I think you can, you can go for a while without having used any. And then uh, once it's over, the outcome helps determine, you know, a lot of, a lot of the way it feels. So I don't know. I don't know if I've answered your question, but I just know that for me, anything, whether good or bad, takes emotional energy, takes spoons. And, um, and I, and sometimes they take more than I have. And then I have to like regenerate them for the next, you know, have to borrow from the next day. And that might need, mean an extra nap or some more chill time. So I, I try to manage things. And if I know something's coming up, I save up. I, I, I stay chill because I know I've got to go to a ball game or I've got to do something social or, you know, we've got to drive a ton that day or do a lot of weird shopping or, you know. So anyway, I hope that answers your question, Lowmaster. Daryl Hafner says, um, Hey, you, you may have answered this before, but what got you interested in podcasting in the first place? Well, I love telling this story, so I'll tell it again. I don't mind at all. at all. Um, I was in a car with a friend and he had an iPod and I had, I had heard about them, I think, but he had an iPod and he's like, dude, have you ever heard of podcasting? I'm like, no. He says, well, I got a podcast and I want you to listen to it. And so he turned it on and it was boring. And, but it had a theme song and it had some guys talking about stuff. And his idea for his podcast was he, they were going to buy things like cheap things and then trade them or sell them online 
and then buy new things with the money and then sell or trade to get more and bigger things until they had enough money to pay off their houses. Okay. A very ambitious idea, but you could tell that his co-hosts weren't really into it. Like he would ask them, what did you trade? What did you do? And they're like, Oh, you know, didn't really get to do it. He was really into it. And his part of the show was really great. But I was like, Whoa. I mean, immediately I'm like, this is my thing. I can do this. I could do this right now and I could do it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I could make it interesting. <laughs> and so I left from there and, and, uh, pretty soon I cobbled together some bits and pieces from my church. Uh, and I bought a mixer and a little one and, and some headphones, I think, and a, in a interface to go into my laptop that I had. So minimal, you know, minimal money, but we were borrowing microphones and, and we were borrowing uh, mic cables and mic stands, things like that. And I started the podcast in my office on Wednesday nights. And uh, I would go and make sure everything was running well, because I had, you know, like 160 kids every Wednesday night that I had to get into classes and get started. But once they were all going out. Me and my brother would sneak down while the, uh, you know, the main classes were going on and we'd record a half hour to 45 minutes of podcasting. And, uh, always with the risk of somebody coming down, you know, having an emergency needing me to come up, but, uh, never, never happened. So, um, I mean, and the rest is kind of history. We, we just hit the ground running and went with it. And, um, just, I just never stopped, uh, except for those times I did stop. But, um, but no, I, I owe a lot to my friend because he introduced me to it. I don't know how I would have found out about it, but my first podcast was the third week of December of 2006. And that was the pilot. And we released it, I think is episode nine, but, uh, our second recorded show was the one that we re released first and never intended to release the pilot. Um, but then my brother couldn't make it for one of them. And, you know, we ended up using it. So, uh, so there you go. There you go. Um, he says, I've had several different podcasts in your opinion. What makes for a good show? What is the biggest thing you've learned from podcasting over the years? Okay. So what, what makes for a good show? I'll, I'll, I don't know. I it's, it's hard because I found something that worked for me. And I've stuck with it and I've seen lots of other kinds of shows and I'm like, I couldn't do those kind of shows. So I kind of think that what makes a good show is what is something you're good at. You know, what is it that you're good at that you are passionate about? What is it that you could sit down and write out a hundred episodes of titles and ideas for, for shows. What is it that you could sit down and sit there and say on this topic, I could talk about blah, blah, blah. And then the next week, this and that, and that, and just go down for 52 weeks and not hit a bump before you were done and, and say, man, wow, I am passionate about this subject, this topic. 
I could talk about this one all day. And I know there's there's been a podcast out there where they talked about one movie. One movie for every episode. But they were passionate about this movie and it worked and it it became a popular show. I I think it was called How Not to Run a Podcast or something like that. Um, and it was kind of an in-joke kind of show, but that was their thing and they were passionate about it and they talked about it almost minute by minute going through the show. Um, so really it's, it's about what you are passionate about. I think what happens is a lot of people do what they think can be popular and what they, or they see somebody else's show and think, oh, I can do that. But somebody else is already doing that. And that's the thing about like radio. They don't put up shows that are like another show. They put up a show that's original. And that person is, is passionate about what they've, you know, what they're talking about. So, um, figure it out, figure out what you're passionate about. And no matter what it is, no matter what the topic is, if you can speak about it clearly and, and, and with, 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 with spunk, I guess, and passion, uh, you're going to generate an audience. It may not be, but a hundred people, you know, eventually it may not be more than 400 folks. It may be 40 for a long time. I remember ours were 18. We, our, our first episode only got 18 downloads first and second. And that was just people we told about it and probably me downloading a couple of them too. Um, now we have over 8,000 and it blows my mind, but it's been 12 years. So, uh, you know, I found something that worked for me. I love telling stories. I love sharing other people's stories, sharing with other people, their stories. And, uh, I love laughing and, and that just turned out to be my thing. Um, and I, and, and that's why I run two shows that are almost exactly the same. Uh, that story show and red school bus, red school bus is just that story show with my daughter. If you haven't figured it out yet. Um, cause it's a, it's a format that works, uh, for me. And, uh, I, I, I've, you know, I, I would love to start a movie podcast, but, I'm not as passionate about movies, not consistently. I go through phases where I want to talk about movies a lot, but I always want to talk about funny life stories. And so find out that thing that you're passionate about and make a podcast about it, but sit down and write out 52 things, 52 topics. And if you can do that and be consistent, then you've got a success. Even if it's just 10 people that listen, even if it's just 40 people that listen, if, if it's something you're passionate about, you will generate an audience because there are so many different kinds of people out there and there's going to be people like you. You're going to attract people that are like you. And our show is not the funniest show out there. There are shows out there that use language and talk about sex stuff and they are very, very popular. And if we did that, we would be more popular than we are. Um, because it is easier to be funny when you work blue than it is to, to keep it clean. You hit so many barriers in your mind when, when, uh, 
when you're trying to be funny and you have to stop because there's a line in the sand that you can't cross. And I know we flirt with it. Sometimes we pick up the line and and we we jump it like it's a piece a skipping rope. But uh, we 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 barely ever cross it. Like I said, we flirt with it once in a while, but there is a line that we don't cross. Um, it's a yellow line, not a red line. <laughs> it's not a wall. It's a line. Uh, but I think everybody would agree that 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 there's never been a time that we've just straight up screwed it up, you know, and just went went nuts, and and there was no coming back from it. Maybe the bread thing that that might have been one. I'm pretty upset about that personally my in myself but people didn't seem to care so um what's the what's the biggest thing that you've learned from podcasting over the years oh goodness um to simplify it to simplify it for my for me to be able to podcast it has to be simple and so my my podcasting setup is nice i will tell you that right now it is nice i have very good equipment and and i have saved and, um, I have earned, you know, uh, sponsorship money and Patreon money and things like that. And I have systematically over time replaced bit by bit, piece by piece without going into any debt or using any of my family's money. I've been able to replace, uh, and upgrade nearly every single piece of my equipment from the microphones to the recorder, to the compressor limiter gate to the, um, you know, soundboard to the, to the, the headphones and the cords and cables, uh, and even the computer that, that helps me to run everything is, has all been a, a very long process and a very tedious process of trying to simplify things. That's why I record live to hard drive. I don't do a lot of post editing because for a lot of people they record and they do a lot of sloppy work and they end up having to, to edit just tons and tons of for hours and hours. And it's so much easier to just go live to hard drive and, and, and spot edit. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a recorder that I use called a, a zoom, uh, handy recorder H four N and it has a little remote. And I bought the remote. Why did you buy the remote? James, you can't reach over and touch the thing. No, it has a button that I can push that will put a mark on the waveform as it's being recorded. Just a little mark. And when I pull it up in Adobe Audition, um, the mark is there. And, and so I don't have to listen through the show to find where I coughed or where the dog barked or where I misspoke and started over again because that stuff does happen. Cause I, it's not like I don't make mistakes. Um, but I can go to those marks and edit them in a second. Cause I don't have to hunt through the whole thing. Um, another thing we don't do is like, we don't do live, um, video streaming. And it's not that I don't want to do that. I would love to do it. I would love to do it, but it's so complex and it stresses me out and it keeps me from wanting to podcast. And so what we do is we have, uh, discord and it's where me and John connect and we listen and, and it doesn't cost me anything spoons wise for other people to just join that same room and, and overhear he and I talking. And so that passes for live streaming because it's absolutely zero, um, work. 
And uh, even even in my flow, I'm going to hit stop on my recorder. I'm going to pull out the card. I'm going to put the SD card in the computer. I'm going to pop. I'm going to move it over to a certain folder inside of a subdirectory called RSB show, show, uh, uh, whatever it is, <laughs> show 107. And I'm going to open that up in audition. I'm going to check for all those marks. I'm going to run a script that I have already put together that automatically compresses, maximizes the audio. It pulls down any high parts and it pulls up any low parts that are too quiet and it runs automatically because I set that up in advance and I call it my secret sauce. And I got it from a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft who shared it with me. And then I'm going to save it as an MP3. Uh, therefore leaving the original file absolutely untouched. And then I'm going to uh, make show art for it. And I already have uh, Photoshop templates that I just open and I put new images in and change out the, the, the text. And then I save those as JPEGs and the JPEGs are named 107 and then 107-FB for Facebook. And then I'm going to um, uh, use a, 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 a little app called MP3 tag to add artwork and descriptions and uh, stuff like that to the MP3 file. Then I'm going to upload it to SoundCloud. Then I'm going to start a uh, a new post on that story sh or uh, nlcast.com under um, what show is this? <laughs> GOK. And I'm going to use the same information I put into my MP3 file for my title and my description. And then I will cut and paste from the RSS feed on SoundCloud into uh, the RSS feed uh, GoDaddy plugin. Not GoDaddy. Um, oh, what's it called? Not Libsyn. Anyway, I have a plugin that I use called PowerPress. I can't remember who puts it out right now. But I, I put it in there. I take the artwork and I make it featured. And I put the Facebook artwork in there so that if it's posted to Facebook, it'll use a different style of artwork that fits face, Facebook better. Then I hit post and then I go over to, to Patreon and I post it there. Then I go to Facebook and I post it there and I share it to the NLCast group and I'm done. And that whole process, though it sounds like a whole lot, takes about 45 minutes or less. And, and I used to take, it used to take me hours and hours and hours of work, but I have, I've spent the money and I've built a system that um, I don't have to set up every week. I don't have to tear anything down every week. I can leave everything exactly as it is. And when I boot up the, the system, I have, a, I have one switch that I flip because uh, it's a power supply that powers everything to do with my podcast. It turns everything on and everything is set exactly the way it needs to be for the next show. And um, that's it. So what is the biggest thing I've learned from podcasting over the years is keep it simple, stupid. And if it's not simple, make it simple. And uh, even, even the sound effects that we play during not necessarily this show, but the other shows are, are brought in in real time. I have a soundboard that's on my computer that, that feeds into the soundboard that is on my desk, my hardware soundboard. And I hit, those hotkeys and it plays those tracks in real time. It takes a lot of time to add that stuff uh, after you've recorded it. So everything I do is uh, a little bit of work for a whole lot of, of benefit.
I don't do a whole lot of work for just a little bit of benefit, a little bit of output. I do a little bit of work and get a big uh, return on that investment. So I hope that answers your questions. Thank you so much for sending those in, everybody. It was a lot of fun answering them. I'd love to do this again sometime, and I'd, lo I'd love to look into doing the live thing. Um, but things are good. I'm doing well. Um, you know, the new medicine seems to be, you know, doing its job and helping me to feel like myself more. Uh, I still have moments where I'm out of spoons, <laughs> and uh, but I've got to go right now because... It's 1230 and my wife ordered a bunch of stuff at Walmart and I'm supposed to go park in a parking spot and they're going to bring it all out to me and put it in my car. So uh, have you guys ever done that before? Ever done that automatic pickup? I have, but never at this store. This store just started doing it. So we'll see how it goes. Sometimes they like to try to replace the items you ordered with items you did not order. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. But um the worst experience I've ever had with it is the first time we ever used it. I wanted, I just needed bread and uh, I'd ordered a bunch of other stuff, but we really needed bread and they didn't replace the bread. They just said, Oh, sorry, we didn't have your bread. And I'm like, ah, oh, now I got to go in there anyway. I could have just shopped, you know? So we'll see how it goes. Uh, in the meantime, I wish you the best. I hope that God will bless you and keep you and let his face shine upon you and give you his peace I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope you will listen again. Remember that you can visit GOK.com or GOKCast, I'm sorry, .com for uh, the website with all of the archives and stuff like that. You can always search um, online uh, on iTunes or what have you to be able to find us there. And, uh, if you want to help support us on Patreon, that does help me bring in a paycheck. Um, you can do so at patreon.com slash GOK. Until next time, this is James Kennison. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.